0: It is eleven oh seven. Glad to have you with us, and Brian. Maybe the Chevy Vega. Yeah, that was a good one. Well, not a good one. (laughs) It was a good pick for the worst. Uh, it depends. Let me uh, just kind of uh, let people know what we're talking about during the break. For some reason, and maybe that's because Brandon walked into the studio. But did Brandon? No, I was just uh, thinking about a post I saw a little while ago about. Cars produced in the United States, and there have been some bad ones over the years. And it occurred to me as like, what is the worst car that has ever been produced?
1: Well, I, th- I think the, the Ford States. Pinto was, that was uh, pretty bad. Yeah, that was
0: a pretty bad one. That was a disposable. The Gremlin, and yeah, see, that was ugly, but it wasn't really a bad car. That AMC came out with some pretty underrated cars and some pretty ugly cars. Uh, but you know, the, the, I mean, the Pacer was was brutally ugly. <laughs> Gremlin wasn't much better. About that uh, newer vehicle, not well. It's not new now, but the Cube. Oh, those were, That's ugly. The Chevy Chevette. Do you remember that? Oh yes, I do. I mean, that was that was pretty awful. Some people might say like the Chevy Corvair, but the Corvair was actually a pretty good car. Yep. Uh, Ralph Nader ruined it uh let's see what else was there most of the worst cars were like in the early 80s i'm going to say um, late 70s and and I, and i'm talking about like just crummy cars right not not necessarily um ugly cars you know i know they were a well liked vehicle but i i never liked the look of the corvair it just—I uh, don't know. Yeah, it wasn't. Well, you want to talk right. ugly? You got to go a long way to get past the Pacer, but the Pontiac Aztec. Yeah, that was one ugly, ugly car. If if uh, uh, and then and then there's the uh, Chevy Lumina. Remember that thing? Oh, that was yes, sir. That was ugly. There. There are other cars that look good, but it didn't hold up real well. And then there are some that were just crappy, just plain crappy. Um, I don't know. Corvair, I, the Corvair actually was pretty good. Vega was good initially. I mean, it was winning all kinds of accolades when it first came out. And then the fenders were rusting off of them, and they they, they just they just didn't hold up too well. Eight seven four ninety three ninety. It's it's eight hundred five two nine five five seven two. Or go to GaryNolan.com. dot uh, com. Brian brought this up during the uh, during the break, and because well, we're kind of feeling Christmassy, and, and this has nothing to do with Christmas, but it's just not a serious topic. We thought for a break. Uh, John is on the line. John, welcome. How are you? I guess I'm doing
2: okay. I've known a few people in the past that had corvairs. But you probably knew about, uh, what was it, Yanko or Yanko? Yanko? Yeah. He did a Corvair. The first car he did was a Corvair. They called it a Stinger. And he custom-built those or had them ordered. And it was, they were racetrack ready, and they were winning at the racetrack.
0: Well, Yanko, uh, you know, he was a dealership.
2: And but he, he, but he also raced cars. That was that was part of what he did. It was like his hobby was racing. Yeah.
0: But but uh the uh the car, the Corvair, in spite of what Ralph Nader said, uh turned out to be a very safe car and a good car. Yeah. That, but
2: but Stinger, Ralph, take a look at the Stinger, they are, they are people pay big, big money to get one of them damn cars today.
0: Yeah, six figures at least.
2: Yeah. All right.
0: Uh, what's the worst car I've ever made?
2: Oh, you're probably talking well in America. They're probably the Vega
0: or the Pinto. Yeah, one of those two. Yeah, how about, oh, do you remember when Oldsmobile came out with their diesel engine? Yeah, but that was a converted gas engine. And yeah. that didn't. Function very well. Well, they yeah. you didn't have enough head bolts. Uh, the, the diesel. <laughs> uh, all right, all right, John. Thank you. Glad mm-hmm. to have you on the Gary Nolan show. Uh, internal combustion engine. You you rely on the spark plugs to ignite the fuel. Diesel. You you rely on pressure. And they took a, a, a gasoline engine, an internal combustion engine, and made it diesel, and the head gaskets couldn't take it. You couldn't bolt those heads down I had one of those things worst car ever made I'm it's got to be the it's got to be the uh, the pinto or the Vega at least in America uh, let me see Sam welcome glad to have you on the Gary Nolan show how are you I'm well. good morning I contend that, what was it, mid70
3: 74 75. Chevrolet made the Vega, uh, an option was an aluminum block engine. And, of course, cars in those days, the odometer did not exceed 99999 and there was a reason for that. They just didn't (laughs) last as long. And that aluminum block uh, in that Nova, and I'm sure it was also in the Oldsmobile versions of that car, but it would, after about 40,000 miles, it sounded like a popcorn popper. Uh, because the, the the temperature, much like you mentioned on a gas-converted diesel or compression is your ignition, the, the the aluminum was just not, couldn't handle the heat. And uh, they were hideous, hideous vehicles. But I think the classic worst of all kind probably would be the Studebaker, a little bit before my time. But I think if you had kind of, you know, if you look at old people who, who, who know cars, they would say the Studebaker was a, a misadventure.
0: My aunt bought a Pontiac, that had an aluminum. I think it was a, a six-cylinder aluminum engine, and they didn't have sleeves in the cylinders, and uh, the, the even the cam uh, kind of warped a hole in the block. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, and and it was just a nightmare. That was another <laughs> GM, another gem from GM.
3: I had a buddy who had an Oldsmobile 98 that had a diesel engine, but I, this was a little bit later. This would have been about 1979 or 1980 miles, and we could uh, fill that. It was his dad's car. His dad was a doctor. It's a beautiful car. We would fill it up with diesel on a Friday night and then just dry, just go all weekend because it got a solid 27, 28 miles per gallon in a boat, and I loved that car uh, because, again, we would just fill it up with diesel and just go forever.
0: Yeah, I had a tornado. Okay. Oh, and I had never had a diesel car before, and I bought it when I was living on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Okay. And one winter, I was coming home to Cleveland to visit family. And as I was going through the mountains of Pennsylvania and the temperatures were plummeting, the car would literally shut off. And I would have to sit on the side of the road while the engine block heated whatever diesel fuel was still in the uh, in the fuel line. <clears throat> and then I could go down the next hill and up the uh, up again and... Uh, I didn't know that you had to get uh, an additive to keep it liquid.
3: What model year was that Tornado, which was, uh, that was a Oldsmoke? Was it Oldsmoke? Because one of them was a Riviera. It, it was, was an Oldsmoke.
0: It was an Olds Tornado. What model year was it? Uh, it's been a while now. I'm thinking it was like a 1979, 1980,
3: something like that. Front-wheel drive. Yeah.
0: yeah the, the smaller...
3: Yep. The smaller front oh. wheel drive model uh okay. you know, when they... before the or after the boats were made. At the same time, seventy nine eighty uh, General Motors made a four six eight configuration of their V eight and they put it in the Cadillac, they put yeah. it in the Eldorado, etc. And my uncle, who was farming at that time and we had nine dollar soybeans in nineteen seventy nine, and of course, which means all the farmers had money, he went out and bought one for him and one for his wife his uh was just a regular but the, he bought a white one and a, and a kind of a burgundy one but one of them had the 468 and it was a hideous hideous
0: engine yeah you had to bypass that so it wouldn't because it it was it was a real mess it yeah. was it was just constantly failing all <laughs> not, right not a
3: good time for American automakers
0: no it was certainly not Sam thank you for the call glad to have you on the Gary Nolan show okay so I'm searching uh cars here terrible cars yeah I have never seen this car in my life and maybe you've heard of it. The Reliant Robin? No. Is that okay. a AMC well, Reliant? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, this is a three-wheeled car from the 70s. Oh, that's not an American car.
1: Oh, it's not. Okay.
0: No. All right. All right. Let me get Gary uh, that's on the why line. why I haven't seen him. <laughs> yeah. Gary, welcome. How are you? Doing all right. And you? I'm doing well. Thank you.
4: I'd have, I had a junkiest car I think I ever had it was a Mustang, too.
0: Oh, the little Mustang.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was worse than a, worse than the Pinto. <laughs> and and one of the more ugly ones was probably a Nash. Nash,
0: uh, Nash Rambler, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were. I don't know, big cracker box. <laughs> All right, uh, that's the worst car you ever had, the Nash.
4: No, no, the Mustang too is the
0: worst car. It was, it was the worst. Why did it? Was it a bit? See, I thought it was just underpowered and tiny. I didn't. uh, Was it not dependable?
4: That too. No, no. If you drove it hard, you weren't going to put very many miles on it. Not that I drove them hard, you know. But
0: that's 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 beside the point. All (laughs) right, Gary. Thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. All right, Brian. It's your fault that we got derailed. I'm sorry about that. Asking me that question. Uh, (laughs) All right. (sighs) <sighs> We've got uh, Zelensky uh, stateside. We'll talk about that. Josh Hawley in the news. Uh, and, you know, I'm not his biggest fan, but every once in a while, he nails it, and he nailed this one. We'll talk about it next on The Gary Nolan Show. the Zimmer Radio Network. It's 1121. Glad to have you with us. Gary Nolan Show. Snow is coming down. Do be careful. Keep your lights on. Slow it down. I'm talking to you like they do uh, on, you know, the, like you've never driven in snow before. You've never seen winter before. Oh, my God, what's that white stuff all over the place? Sure, it's slippery. Uh, but anyway, uh, let me move on. Josh Hawley in the news. Um, I, I disagreed with him on his approach to uh, Twitter and Facebook, and I think I've been, it, it bears uh, uh, noting that I was right. Twitter has now been taken over. Uh, Facebook has uh, been losing money hand over fist. I I think the marketplace handles those things better than the government. And a couple of other places uh, that I disagree with them. But he has made some, I would argue, some brilliant observations. Uh,
1: And one of them deals with the FBI. It's, it's uh to me which of course i didn't watch i was on an airplane i haven't watched a minute i'm proud to say that uh it's a state propaganda to cover for the fact and distract attention from the fact what we learned and have been learning is that the fbi deliberately interfered in not one but two separate presidential elections and um, you know the idea that the fbi who laundered the Steele dossier back in 2016 through the courts lied to a FISA court in order to extend their wiretaps that they never should have gotten in the first place. Then in 2020, deliberately suppressed the Hunter Biden story. Remember, the FBI had the Hunter Biden laptop for a full year before the story broke. They knew all about it. They had all the emails, knew it was true, and yet put out there that it was Russian disinformation. I mean, and we see now with Twitter. I mean, went after Twitter until Twitter agreed to censor it and take it down. And Twitter was the most aggressive in doing so. That's unbelievable stuff. There have got to be repercussions for that, or we're not going to have a democracy. Why has no one gone to jail regarding all this? I don't know, but somebody should go to jail for it. And uh, we're going to have to have, clearly, a a conversation about the future of the FBI and what it's doing in our our democracy, Uh, because that kind of power, the kind of power that they have is immense, and if they're going to use it in this way, um, then... I have to say, I think our constitutional order is not secure, and I'm very concerned.
2: I think Mr. McCarthy is talking about something like a church-style
1: committee. Uh, that would be a good, a good start. A church-style commission would be unnecessary.
0: Well, by the way, the FBI apparently is um, getting a new building. It's uh, part of this omnibus bill. They're throwing <laughs> tons of money at it. Uh, just a little bit more of your money uh, for the FBI. But he's right. They have interfered in two elections. Uh, they they clearly knew that this whole uh, Russia collusion thing was Bravo Sierra, and they they've done it again with this uh, you know with the uh, re-election uh, when they crushed the New York Post story about Biden and uh, Hunter's laptop, uh, and and they're practically in bed. Uh, with uh, these social pages, they the FBI needs a serious look back. I don't, you know, if you have a constitutional government, you don't have an FBI. If you've got a government that does what the government is supposed to do, you don't have an FBI. There's no reason for them to exist. The only reason they exist is because Congress uh, creates bureaus, and bureaus write rules and laws. And the next thing you know, it everybody's being investigated. They have entirely too much power. Uh, they shouldn't be reaching out to the media the way they did. And then the FBI snaps into action. Brian, do you have that audio ready? Uh, the, the FBI's. Uh- I don't, Gary. Okay, so the FBI comes back, uh, and and. They argue that this was just uh, propaganda. That you know, people are just trying to. Here, here it is. Uh, this is from uh, Fox News. Has this. Alert now. We are getting our first response from the FBI to the Twitter file dumps. The statement reads The correspondence between the FBI and Twitter show nothing more than examples of our traditional, long standing, and ongoing federal government and private sector engagements, which involve numerous companies over multiple sectors and industries. As evidenced in the correspondence, the FBI provides critical information to the private sector in an effort to allow them to protect themselves and their customers the men and women of the FBI work every day to protect the American public it is unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American public misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency now you know what was missing from any from that whole piece any denial it's unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American public misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency. But they're not, nor are they saying, no, we, we were not uh, in bed with uh, Twitter. We didn't direct Twitter. We di- no denial. No denial. Let me go to the phone. Steve is on the line. Steve, welcome. Glad to have you on The Gary Nolan Show.
2: Thanks. Uh, It just came out today that Eli is buying uh, uh, Facebook and YouTube.
0: Elon is buying Facebook and YouTube.
2: He's going to call it you twit face. Well.
0: Thanks, Gary. That's good. I'll, I'll remember that one, Steve. Thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan show. But it is the FBI that is behind all of this. Uh... Comer and Comey, rather, and and uh, going back to uh, when Donald Trump first got in the White House and the whole uh, call girls urinating on the bed nonsense. Uh, I mean, it was just really, really ugly. And probably the most horrible part of this whole thing is that it was partly able to happen because we have a private secret court yeah we have a secret court we have what they would have in North Korea we have what they would have in China we have the FISA court it's a secret court that's not the way American law is supposed to work FISA court really has to go Oh, Patriot Act has to go Uh, This government is so out of control, it's incredible. And the power that the federal government has, it's so easily abused. When you have that much power at your fingertips, it's easy to abuse. What's the quote? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that's what we're witnessing. Uh, Witness here the uh, tax returns... Of Donald Trump. The government has all of this power and they, the Democrats were in charge and they abused it. And they hid behind this arcane rule about auditing presidents. They didn't audit uh, the Obamunist. They, they haven't audited, to the best of my knowledge, anybody. And The IRS did have his tax returns. Somebody looked at his tax returns and said, everything is okay. But the Democrats, well, they wanted to embarrass him. So the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee can look at anybody. They can look at your uh, private tax returns. More on this next on The Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show. It is uh, 1135. Glad to have you with us. Uh, It it is cold outside, and we're down to the single, single digits. Like two degrees? Two degrees right now. Wow. Yeah. That is really snappy. Whew. Uh, and Brian, uh, you're grateful for what? Global warming? Global warming, yes. Because without, without global warming, it would have been zero. Below? No, it would have been just zero. zero. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, this no is... Um,
0: so, I mean, we can be thankful for global warming today, huh? This is weather. Got to remember that. It's not climate, <laughs> it's weather. When it gets warm, it's climate. Yes. Right. When it's cold, it's just It's <laughs> just That's weather. weather. Yeah, you got to you got to know the difference. Um and and we try very hard to always explain that to people. And, and I think it was uh you know all that uh sunshine and and heat that made this uh, so cold. I think so, yeah. yeah. You know how the warm creates the cold. Yeah, this doesn't have anything at all to do with jet stream. No. S- no. That kid, no, nothing. uh uh-uh. uh No. Somebody had mentioned the other day that the sun might have something to do with the earth warming. and it was What? the like, on, really? You know what you're talking about? The sun? Yeah. No, the, they were talking about the sun. No, Ball no, thing. no, no. Yeah. No. Maybe they meant their son drives a <laughs> you know a, a big uh, Chevy Suburban, and uh, that could be. Yeah. Yeah. It couldn't be that bright yellow no, thing. No. Who would suggest such a silly thing? Yeah. No, that's just silly. Oh boy! All right, uh, it, this is uh, this is frustrating for me. This whole thing with uh, Zelensky uh, and Ukraine and Russia is very frustrating for me, and I'll explain to you why. Because I don't like Russia. Uh, you know what I should do, Brian? I should dig up that audio of uh, Harris uh, explaining what's going on over there. This big country is attacking yes. this little country. I do have that. <laughs> But what I find, here's what I find frustrating. I don't like what Russia is doing. Um, and I don't want Ukraine to get crushed by Russia. I want to see the little guy prevail. At the same time, I'm not a real big fan of Ukraine either. They're not like the free republic from out of the east, um... If if any of you are confused, if any have the slightest doubt that you don't understand uh, what this whole thing is about in Europe, between Russia and Ukraine, here's the vice president of the United States to explain it to you so that, in no uncertain terms, you know what's going on.
2: So... Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong.
0: So, I mean, I don't know how you could do a better job of explaining to the three-year-old mentality what's going on out there. But I'm I'm not a fan of Ukraine, um, I, and I don't think it's our job to support them. Although I do believe we are partly responsible for this event to begin with. Uh, the Soviet Union is the reason that NATO existed. It was it was this unified European resistance. To the Soviet Union attempting to dominate Europe. But the Soviet Union collapsed. And when it did, NATO didn't have a reason to to exist. There was no Soviet Union. It was just Russia. But instead, we kept funding it, we kept it together, and Putin saw it as a threat. We would see it as a threat. We did see the same sort of thing as a threat. Don't forget, uh, in the early 1960s, Nikita Khrushchev put missiles in Cuba. And when he did, the United States took offense to it. Of course, he was already, he was just responding to our putting more missiles at his uh, back door. But that's, you know, that's what, rightly or wrongly, Putin perceived. And they kept threatening to let uh, Ukraine join NATO, and he would have seen that as the equivalent of putting missiles in Cuba. So we sort of caused the problem, and uh, you know we show no signs of not, uh, you know, of, of abating our direction. We're not, we're not going to change direction. We're not going to we're not going to stop this. Instead, we're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine, the little country to fight the big country. Uh, and it's very expensive and it's money we don't have. You know, I, I, I understand his plight. I feel badly about it. And now it's almost a and this is again part of my um, mixed emotions about this. Now, we've got so much invested in this, it's like, do we walk away from this? And so in the closing minutes of the program, that is my question for you. We've sunk about $60 billion in defending Ukraine, in giving them training and the equipment they need to fight off the bear. Do we walk away and say, well, that was, you know, we tried? Or after all of that investment, do we say, no, we got to stick it out for the long run? President Biden and uh, Zelensky had a a joint briefing at the White House. Biden promised further aid, weapons, funding, and promised to to stay with them right to the end. He has he, he has no intention of cutting back you fund Ukraine as long as it takes he said question after everything we've invested in Ukraine, should we now just walk away and let the big country take over the little country uh, or do we continue to invest? In Ukraine's defense. 874-9390. 800-529-5572. It's hard to let go. I don't want to see Ukraine collapse. I really don't want to see them succumb. I don't want to see Putin successful. But at the same time, I can't afford, I don't think the country can afford to continue throwing money at him. Uh, and I don't think it's constitutional i'm I'm really having a hard time with this. Brian, where do you stand on this walk away or keep keep funding them? I think uh, I would probably want to renegotiate our effort to continue to help the Ukrainians in the future. Uh, I would never put uh, you know this constant flow of cash going to Ukraine. I might say, hey, The any monies that we continue to give you will be, you know, a loan, and we expect to be paid back for it. It's not going to be on our dole. Lauren Boebert had a great response to Zelensky. Hey, everyone. I just finished attending the address by President Zelensky, and we're going to have votes here at the Capitol for the next four hours or so. Here's what was clear from tonight. The people of Ukraine are suffering. The war is deadly and horrific, and the carnage has not stopped. Sadly, what I didn't hear tonight was a clear explanation of where the first $50 billion we sent to support their efforts went. Until Congress receives a full audit on where our money has already gone, I will not support sending additional money to this war. President Zelensky is working to protect his country's border and his people. I get it. I really just wish our commander in chief would do the same right here at home and secure our southern border and protect our people. Yeah, where'd that money go? How's it being spent? Have you been hearing rumors that uh, some of the stuff we've been sending them has been turning up in other countries? I hadn't I, heard that. I, I had, uh, and I think she's right. Do we keep supporting them or do we walk away? Uh, d- d- let me uh, let me get uh, Les on the line. Les, you got to go very quickly because I am right up against it.
3: Well, the big guy is getting his 10% off the top. Uh, this thing started in 2014 when the Donetsk and Lwensk uh, providences uh, uh, seceded. 14,000 people were killed by the Ukrainians, the Nazi Ukrainians. Uh, tr- uh, Biden is trying to cover his butt. Uh, The Russians have already killed, destroyed uh, 400,000 troops of the Ukrainians. There's 20, 30, 40,000 mercenaries there that this money is paying for. Uh, Biden's going to hang for treason on this. He's going to go down. It's worse than we think,
0: what we know. Yeah, he's not going to be treason. It's not going to
1: happen. Well,
0: maybe, maybe not. All right, Liz, thank you. Glad to have you on The Gary Nolan Show. Back to wrap it up. I'm the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. It's 11:51. Hey, Bri- <laughs> Brian. Yes, sir. Don't let uh-huh. me forget. There's been an Alzheimer's breakthrough, and I and I I need to tell ah, people here about go. it. Here we go. But but if you forget to remind me, yeah, uh, I'll I'll assume that uh, you've been stricken. Yes. Uh, do we continue to fund I'm sorry, Ukraine? What was that? Huh? Can you repeat that? Who? That thing that you? went well, Never mind. Uh, <laughs> all right. I don't know what you. Uh, <laughs> we do this all the time. Uh, let me get the phones here on Ukraine. Uh, should we abandon them now, or do we keep funding them? Good money after bad, or you can't let it's, you can't stop it now. Bill, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Good money after bad, or you can't stop it now.
5: Well, Gary, I see it as a uh, as a double edged sword myself. I, I'm, I'm I stand with you as far as um, not. Um I, I don't care so much myself to be supporting Ukraine. Um, I mean, I, I don't want them to fall or anything like that. But the other edge of that sword, and it was brought up either on, on Randy's show or it may have been on your show just a couple of weeks ago when you had a, um, you had a guest host sitting in for you, um, they kind of compared it back to World War II or the, the prior to World War II about uh, what Hitler did. He went in, he did this, he did that, and the other countries surrounding, including the U.S., I guess, um, if I remember how it was said right, um, they allowed him and appeased him to, to let him do what he did. Well, he was not satisfied with it. He kept going and kept going and kept going, and, and you know, we now know what happened with all that. So I, while I don't like the idea of sending our money, and, and sooner or later, if it keeps up, we're going to be sending our troops as well. I don't like the idea of that, but at the same token, um, if Putin turns out to be, you know, anything like Hitler was, uh, that's got to be stopped nipped in the bud. So that's that's how I see it. It's kind of a double-edged sword.
0: All right. Bill, you have your feet firmly planted on both sides of the fence. Uh, So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure how you're walking, but okay. Bill, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, let me go down and get David on the line. David, do we keep spending it, uh, or is it good money after bad? <laughs> There's
4: a $64,000 question. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, first of all, from the mail carrier out here, it is it is a, a nice balmy day. Um, <laughs> balmy? But, uh, <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> not here. Anyway i'll say i'll say this though about about ukraine if if we're going to spend it it has to be uh has to be a clear objective uh on a clear path you just can't throw money at it it has to be a clearly defined path with a very clear objective and adhered to that's that's what i'm going to say
0: all right. Does that makes sense? Does yeah, make sense well, it, uh, on a certain level, it does. I just. Uh,
4: I, I, I know what you're saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the way the diplomatic world goes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. But at least if we're going to be doing it, it has to be a clear objective on a clear path. Otherwise, it just. Yeah, I know. Just waste
0: of, yeah, it's just a waste of money. Try and keep warm. It's one below out there right now.
4: Yeah. No, really? It feels so nice not- So nice, <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know what kind of vehicle they got you driving, but buddy, it's the heater works.
4: <laughs> All right. Heater?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh God. All right, David, thank you. Take care. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan show. All right, before I forget, because uh, you know, people have been looking for the longest time uh, to try and figure out how it is that, uh, you know, these people come up with Alzheimer's. And the Biden administration has discovered what causes Alzheimer's. You think they don't they don't accomplish much. They're a bunch of progressives. Uh, they're, you know, brainwashed idiots from the left. But this is a question people have been looking for an answer to for a long, long time. And they have found it. Uh, I suppose, Brian, now you want to know what causes it. Yeah, I was kind of curious. What you Entrenched got systemic racism. Ah. You didn't I, know I, that. No, but, I didn't. Can you connect the dots on that? Or? Well, non-white Americans have, a re- have relatively high rates of Alzheimer's diseases and dementia, partly because of racism. Non-white Americans are suffering, and uh, it's your fault. Entrenched systemic racism must be addressed and prioritized rather than focusing on individual behaviors, according to the Department of Health and Human Services. In their annual report on dealing with Alzheimer's and related dementias, uh, Xavier Becerra called for interventions to reduce disparities in Alzheimer's rates, tailoring the government's efforts with cultural competence and equity as the primary focus so for all of those research scientists all over the world who have been looking for the reason why well now you know wow it's entrenched racism so i guess if you are not a racist you won't have dementia alzheimer's is that correct well, Now, see, I know where you're going here, Brian. Uh, you're going to suggest that the president appears to be suffering from these problems <laughs> and that he is somehow a racist. Oh, no, I would never do that. Oh, yes, you would. I've known you for years. That's exactly where you were going. Well, somebody is wrong. Um, I think it's Health and Human Services. But isn't it amazing how... How they manage to tie racism uh, to just about everything. I mean, it really takes a great deal of skill <laughs> to navigate your way into. The, they, I would love to see the study. Yes, me too. I was thinking, uh, how did they reach that conclusion? Yeah, there must be a study of some sort. Is it you know well, correlation, I think they just did a story in their head? a study in their head and came up with that conclusion. Well, uh, this group of people has it more than that group of people, so it must be racism. How absolutely ludicrous it is. Again, this is not something the government should be doing. All right, I am... Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, Don't have time for this. Court strikes down Biden's transgender mandate. Mandate. And it happened right here in St. Louis. The 8th uh, U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in St. Louis permanently blocked transgender mandate that the United States Department of Health and Human Services had implemented as a revision to the Affordable Care Act. It would force doctors and hospitals to perform gender transition procedures on their patients, even if it violated their conscience. Way to go. All right, out of time. Got to run. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope you have a wonderful Hanukkah and Christmas. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. Seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.